so there are um, there are strange people among us. Don't be looking at your neighbors, Aaron. Oh, you're looking over here. Okay, yeah, yeah. Strange people among us, and they're pastors. Pastors are a very strange lot. I mean, they, they, they kind of almost look normal, but they're not. I mean, even the way they dress, kind of just there's something about it that's always just a little bit old school, but a little bit cool, like maybe modern. <laughs> The way they talk, I mean, it, it's just, they're just different. They, they use words that most people don't use and sometimes even sound like they're speaking Greek. That's real. That's good. That's good. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. They, their jobs are different, right? I mean, they, what they do for a, a, a living, I guess, I mean, that they would, Get paid for working one day a week. <laughs> and like a full salary, like, I mean, like a normal person. I mean, I'm, it's just that they're weird. They're, they're different. Pastors are the last person that you would ask to fix your car, right? <laughs> I mean, you don't ask your pastor to fix your car, but they, they're the first person you'd ask to fix your kid, right? I mean, that kid's is out of... Pastor, you need to talk to this kid, right? Pastors are the, the, the first person and the only person that we know of that when they pray, it's like a sermon. It's like a three-point sermon or sometimes four or five points. Actually, Pastor Bob, yesterday morning at uh, men's breakfast, had a wonderful prayer sermon. It was beautiful. It was so good. I mean, we thought we'd gotten enough from Jonathan, but obviously we'd missed a few points because Bob helped us get those last final points in. I'm glad that he was just walked in the door and I could give him that one. That was good. That was good. So they're the only one we know who does sermon prayers, but at the same time, they're always the first one we ask to pray at meals, right? We always ask them. And it's like, what are we thinking, right? Why do we ask the pastor to pray for the meal? It's getting cold, right? A pastor, he's a strange thing. I mean, he can clean up a conversation just by walking in the room. <laughs> Unless he's walking into his kids' room. Right? It's crazy. And, and, and pastors are like, if, if a pastor invites you to a meal or to their office, all of a sudden you get flashbacks of being called to the principal's office in high school, right? I mean, it's like, oh no, what's he want to talk to me about? What did I do wrong? Did I not give enough in the offering last week? What is it? Scary, scary stuff. So unfortunately, I get the task of not only being a pastor, but preaching a message about pastors. So here we go. So fun. So 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Uh, if you'd like to turn there, you can, or you can just listen as I read it. 1 Corinthians chapter 4. This, then, is how you ought 
to regard us. As servants of Christ and as those entrusted with the mysteries God has revealed. Now it is required that those who have been given a trust must prove faithful. I care very little if I'm judged by you or by any human court. Indeed, I do not even judge myself. My conscience is clear, but that does not make me innocent. It is the Lord who judges me. Therefore, judge nothing before the appointed time. Wait until the Lord comes. He will bring to light what is hidden in the darkness and will expose the motives of the heart. At that time, each will receive their praise from God. Now, brothers and sisters, I have applied these things to myself and Apollos for your benefit, so that you may learn from us the meaning of the saying, do not go beyond what is written. Then you will know, then you will not be puffed up in being a follower of one of us over against the other. For who makes you different from anyone else? What do you have that you did not receive? And if you did receive it, why do you boast as though you did not? Already you have all you want. Already you have become rich. You have begun to reign, and that without us. How I wish that you really had begun to reign so that we also might reign with you. For it seems to me that God has put us apostles on display at the end of the procession, like those condemned to die in the arena. We have been made a spectacle to the whole universe, to angels as well as to human beings. We are fools for Christ, but you are so wise in Christ. We are weak, but you are strong. You are honored. We are dishonored. To this very hour, we go hungry and thirsty. We are in rags. We are brutally treated. We are homeless. We work hard with our own hands. When we are cursed, we bless. When we are persecuted, we endure it. When we are slandered, we, are, we answer kindly. We have become the scum of the earth, the garbage of the world right up to this moment. I am writing this not to shame you, but to warn you as my dear children. Even if you had 10,000 guardians in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I became your father through the gospel. Therefore, I urge you to imitate me. For this reason, I have sent to you Timothy, my son, whom I love, who is faithful to the Lord. He will remind you of my way and the life in Christ Jesus, which agrees with what I teach everywhere in every church. Some of you have become arrogant as if I were not coming to you. But I will come to you very soon if the Lord is willing. And then I will find out not only how these arrogant people are talking, but what power they have. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. What do you prefer? Shall I come to you with a rod of discipline? Or shall I come in love and with a gentle spirit? Paul speaking to the Corinthians, this Corinthian church that had a really screwed up view of him and of other leaders and pastors. They had a, a messed up perspective and, and they saw him in the wrong way. They saw, viewed him through the wrong lens. And because of 
how extremely, I mean, this church, as we've already seen, is, is really out to lunch in a lot of things, and it's going to continue next time with chapter 5 as well. But, but it's amazing to think that this church is so messed up, and that Paul is trying to reach out to them to correct them. But I thank God that I don't work in a Corinthian church, that I'm not the pastor of this particular Corinthian church. That I'm a pastor of this little Trinity Alliance church here in Reading. You guys have, I think, a much more proper perspective of what it means to be a pastor. So this message this morning, I've tried to soften the blow in a sense because Paul really comes on strong. Do you want me to come with discipline, with a rod of discipline, or do you want me to come with love, right? He's, he's really in their face about this, and I don't have to do that with you guys. <laughs> we, can, we can lay back and maybe enjoy some of these perspectives that I think Paul brings out about what it means to be a pastor and how we are to view our pastors. So with that, let's go to a great illustration about football, right? Because football is a really cool thing, right? Maybe you've come to realize that I do enjoy and love football, and I'm a Seahawk fan, of course. But there are uh, there, there's a lot of fans in this world of football and different you know different styles of fans. But there is you know a, a, a particular fan in Oakland that is a little bit fanatical. Like every stadium probably has fans like this, but you know whenever you watch an Oakland game, this, this is kind of crazy going on here. I mean, what is going on in this guy's mind that he dresses like that? I mean, you just kind of think. This guy is kind of over the top, right? You, you would imagine at his house, he probably has got Oakland Raider stuff all over his house. Like his house, outside of his house, is probably bl uh, black and silver, right? I mean, he painted it that color, right? Anyway, fanatics. And, and the church sometimes has fanatics in uh, their perspective of their pastor. Uh, they tend to over-glorify their pastor. They look at their pastor and think, oh my gosh, this guy is amazing. He's awesome. He is over the top just amazing. I mean, and, and that's all they can talk about. They, 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 they think about his successes and, and relationally successes, or he's just charismatic. You know, he just says, one of these guys that just draws you in, right? Or, or maybe he's just an amazing leader. And I mean, look what he's done to our church. He's just brought us out of, you know, wherever into this amazing, you know, mega church that we are now, right? TAC, we're a mega church, right? Anyway, no. Anyway, so they can have this perspective of pastors that is just over the top and they just glorify them to the, to the, to, to the max. And they begin to actually elevate their pastor to the point where the pastor is more important than even Jesus. And the pastor, pastor's words are even more important than the Bible. And, and when they talk about their church to other people that don't go to their church, all they can talk about is their pastor. It's, oh no, you got to come to our church, we've got this great pastor. Like the pastor is the center of everything. But there's also, thankfully, the non-fanatics, the uh, I would call them the armchair quarterbacks in the church as well. And, and they tend to look at the pastor with a critical eye. I mean, I'm a pretty good armchair, actually, quarterback, which if you don't know the term, that means that I sit on my, my couch when I'm watching a Seahawk game. And when Russell Wilson makes a bad throw, I'm like, what are you doing, Russell? 
Russell, come on! The other guy was wide open. Why didn't you see him? Come on! Just throw it to that guy, not that guy. Anyway, you know what I'm saying? I mean, this is an armchair quarterback. Looks at what's going on, has no bearing on what's going to happen or the, 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 the results of the game, but we, are, we, we know a lot, right? And we can criticize and tell that guy, that quarterback, or that team, or that coach, oh, you should have called this play, you should have called that play, and oh man, we're experts when we're sitting on our couch. And some of us have that perspective of our pastors. And, and we zero in on all of their failures. The, the mistakes that they've made are always overblown. We, we, we look at those things and, and, we, and that's all we can see. And oftentimes, because of the mistakes, we begin to demonize them. Where this is not just a, 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 you know, just a, a normal mistake. No, no, no. This is a heart issue. We probably should pull the pastor aside because we need to really talk about his heart. We think, I don't even know if he's a Christian. I mean, really. I've heard this happen. You can be a pastor and not even be a Christian. I've heard it. I've seen it happening right now in my church, right? Anyway, so the idea is that we begin to kind of tear down or to look at and be critical, hypercritical. And I, and I have to say that there's just, just as many pastors that have been elevated in the church, there's probably more or at least as many that have been destroyed by their churches because their people are just overly critical of everything that they do constantly tearing them down, constantly second-guessing them, constantly doing passive-aggressive, undermining things. The sad thing is that I've been one of them, even though I've been a pastor for a long time. I remember being one of those critical folks, those armchair quarterbacks that looked up at the pastor and criticized everything he said. Every week, there was just something that he said in his message that was just a little bit off, and that's all I could see. I've been that guy. And I have to admit that I actually am still have a tendency to fall into that when I sit under other pastors, or I hear other pastors give a message, or I listen to a podcast. I so quickly go to the thing that I disagree with, or the thing that I think, oh, what does he mean by that? Instead of just receiving what the Lord has given me. Some of the basic views, I think, of just churches in general, of their pastors, is that pastors, I think, in general, are, are respected. We, we appreciate what they do. We support their efforts. We're, we're thankful for the sacrifice that they put in in the, the week of, of seeking and knowing scripture and getting to know God and to lead his church. But we're also glad it's not us. I'm like, man, I'm glad God didn't call me to be a pastor. We also tend to view them as people that are supposed to sacrifice. And in essence, that, that they're paid to sacrifice. I mean, that's what they're paid for, right? They're paid to be different. They're paid to live their life fully sold out for Christ. They're paid to have to sacrifice those things like, like money and family and friends and location where they live and, and careers and futures. They're, they're paid to do that. And we can also actually see pastors and actually pity them. Or we just feel bad that they have to sacrifice like that. We feel bad that they have to go through all that. Feel bad that they're out of touch with reality. And sometimes we want to try to save pastors. 
to somehow help them. To, to, they don't have to sacrifice anymore. That, that somehow we could replace the call with something else for them. So that's how the church oftentimes views a pastor. What? How about a pastor? How does a pastor view a pastor? <laughs> the image that I have for this is uh, the big and the small fish. The big fish in the small pond and the small fish in the big pond. Right? I mean, we know what that's about and what that means. And it's true. I mean, we have some pastors who are big fish in small ponds. Right? And, and they tend to look at themselves as, you know, they're just amazing. Right? I mean, God has just gifted them so so well that I mean they can they can do this in their sleep. I mean they're they're just awesome, right? And, and they're always you know over exaggerating their their abilities and their skills and uh, just always over exaggerating and, and focusing on their influence. I mean look at this amazing impact that I have and and they're so excited about the growth of the church. I mean look at this amazing church that's grown up because of my amazing leadership and because my amazing abilities that God's gifted me with. Don't get me wrong. I mean I wouldn't have them without God, but boy am I great, right? Uh, we we they they tend to focus. On themselves, tend to focus on their own abilities, but they have an internal battle. And the internal battle is that they equate ministry success with God's approval. <laughs> Which can work for a while, but what happens when things don't start to do what they're supposed to do, right? When the success starts to fade. And, and, and so they are constantly focusing and trying to seek greater impact. There's never a year that they're not better next year. Right? Every year it's like, okay, what can we do more next year? What can we do more? How can we have a bigger impact? How can we have more influence? How can we grow this church more next year? But just as bad as actually the other side, maybe even worse, is the small fish in the big pond. The one who tends to be overly critical of himself thinking that they have nothing to offer, feel shame over their failures and their inadequacies, thinking that you know they really can't do this job. Focus on the negative influences and concern and fear about communicating inaccuracies while they're preaching, or, or heresies for that matter. Always focused on the church de decline, feeling shame that, oh, under my leadership, this church has gotten less and less. Over-exaggerate their weaknesses. And they're really hindered by their insecurities. Because they're not willing to lead boldly. And the internal battles that these small fish in the big pond have is they equate, equate their ministry failures with God's disappointment. And they're always seeking more assurance and affirmation. Constantly looking for someone to say, good job, Pastor. Boy, that was a great message for you. That was a great ministry. Always looking for that affirmation. I've had the luxury of actually being on both sides of this equation. Been a big fish in a small pond. Been quite arrogant, thinking that I'm all that. Thinking that, boy, look at me, look what I've done. And then I've spent many years on the other side. And the reality is, is both of them are ugly. 
both of them are ugly. To have a to, to, to view myself as being anything except what Christ is in me is a failure. It, it, it leads to messed up things, messed up perspectives, messed up ministry, messed up pastors. In general, I think pastors view themselves as, first of all, it's a privilege to be a pastor. The intimacy that we get to enjoy with God is amazing. And, and I have to say, it is amazing. God does, I mean, I believe that we all have the full uh, the full baptism of the Holy Spirit. I mean, we have the Spirit, all of us. But it is amazing how God allows us as pastors to experience that Holy Spirit on a week-to-week basis as we prepare messages, as we interact with people, as we care and love for people. It, it is amazing. Before I was a pastor, I did not experience this like I do now. And maybe that was because I was just young and immature in my faith and I just needed to grow. But all I know is that since I've been a pastor, I have been amazed at how God has provided for me in that. But it's also, we view it as it's a call too. It's not, you know, we're just humans. We're just human beings. We're nothing special. But the call is special. The call to be a pastor, it it is different. It sets us apart, not because we're better, but because we're called. Because God, for whatever reason, in His wisdom, not my wisdom or anybody else's wisdom, His wisdom chose to call me. But that call is a burden as well. It's hard. It's hard to sacrifice. The pain and the struggle of being in ministry is real. The consequences, the loneliness, the impact on my family, my kids. It's not easy. It's good. It's not easy. So it doesn't matter what the church's perspective is. It doesn't matter what the pastor's perspective is. What matters is what is God's perspective. And that's what Paul is trying to draw out in this passage today. So I want to spend the rest of our time this morning focusing on that. What is God's perspective of pastor? And for this, I want to use the illustration of the sights of a gun. So some of you are hunters, maybe some of you do some shooting around here. I know this is the conservative part of California. All right. So, uh, excuse me, this is Jefferson State, right? I think that's what Bruce told me. Uh, Anyway, the state of Jefferson. But uh, so there's probably a lot more uh, gun holders here than there would be in Southern California. Uh, But uh, you probably have an idea of what a sight is on a gun. You can see uh, a picture of it there. Uh, And uh, the importance of a sight of a gun is, uh, in a sense, a couple of reasons for it. One, it, it, it helps us to hit what we're aiming at, right? If you just have a gun without sights, it's, you know, it's a little hard to figure out, am I aiming the barrel in the right direction? Now, if it's point blank, it's pretty easy, right? But if it's some distance away, the further away it is, the more important it is to have a sight. And so, uh, but the thing is, is you don't want to focus when you're using a gun, you don't want to focus on the sight. If you look only at the sight, then you're still going to miss the target because you've got to see the target beyond as well to, to be able to get the sight in the right spot. But you also don't want to ignore the sight 
Because if you ignore the sight, then again, you're just kind of haphazardly shooting around. You don't really know which direction your gun is shoot, pointed. And then finally, you can adjust the sights. You can actually change them a little bit in order to zero them in to the target that you want to hit. And so these are the illustrations I want to use as we talk about God's perspective of a pastor. First of all, God's perspective of the pastor is that he is the messenger of God. The pastor is God's voice, God's vision, and God's direction to a church. He is empowered by God to speak for him. Again, I mentioned earlier, just a minute ago, that, that you know, when I'm preparing for a message each week, I'm amazed at how every week he brings to, you know, he, it's not about just understanding what this says, but once I understand what it says, the hard part is, how do I contextualize it for this church? And that is where the Holy Spirit, every week, comes in at some point during the week, sometimes, unfortunately, it's late Saturday night, and says, all right, this is the context I want you to use for this message. This is the context I want you to preach on this week within this passage. God empowers pastors to do just that. 2 Timothy 4.2, it says, Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. It is, as messengers of God, we understand that it is God's words, not the pastor's. In other words, it's God's authority that the pastor has when he speaks. It's not his own. It's not because he's great. Again, it's because he's called. God, for whatever reason, decided to call me to this church. I still am trying to figure out the wisdom in that. For your, your, for your sake and for mine sometimes. But it's true. He called me to this church. I don't know why. He just did. And as a result... I have authority in this church, not because of who I am or my position, but because God has called me here to this church to be His voice. But we can't focus. God says, don't focus, though, on the sights. The pastor is the sight. He says, don't focus on the sights. When we focus on our pastors, whether being over-glorifying them or being critical of them or pitying them or whatever it may be, when we focus on the sights, we are going to miss the target. It is not about the pastor. It is about Jesus. And so the pastor is simply there to help us to find the target who is Jesus. God uses pastors oftentimes to point out issues in our own life that we don't want to deal with. The pastor that we always agree with may not be the right guy for you, but the pastor we disagree with may not be the devil incarnate. Right? God uses pastors to point us in directions that maybe we didn't think we should go or want, didn't want to go. But we don't focus on the site. We don't focus on the pastor. We focus on the target. 
Second, God sees pastors as his shepherds, shepherds of his flock. We are under shepherds, if you will, caring for his people. We are examples of God's love, of God's grace, of God's care. We are the hands, in a sense, the the feet who come along his people to care for them and to to guide them and to wreck them and to to love on them and to, to do, do whatever needs to be done in order, according to the Lord's will. 1 Peter 5, 2 and 3. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them, not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. As shepherds, we are the leaders of the church as well. We are meant to be out front, directing the way, but we are meant to be followed. So often we look at our pastors out there and we go, they're crazy. They're strange people. They're doing things that are just, I mean, I don't get it, right? It's just crazy. When we don't ever think that, wait a second, maybe if they're shepherds, we're supposed to follow them. Maybe that is what God is calling me to, to be just as crazy as our pastor is. To be just as out of touch with culture as our pastor is. This is kind of what Paul is saying at the end of this chapter, where he's saying, you guys are celebrating. You guys have won. You guys are all great. But me as a pastor, I'm like suffering. I'm still struggling. I'm still being persecuted. And, and his point is not, yay, I'm glad you're all celebrating. His point is, uh, why are you celebrating when the war is still on? So we to recognize that our pastors, in God's eyes, are the leaders of the church, that we're meant to follow him. And so we can't ignore the sights. We can't ignore the sights of the gun. We can't just kind of look around and don't worry about them. We, we, we can't ignore pastors. We can't ignore what they're doing in their ministry and the direction they're calling or the voices that they're speaking, the the word that comes to them. We can't avoid it. We can't just ignore it completely and just go, and I'm just going to, who cares about the pastor? And some of us do that. It's like, well, you know, as long as the church is great, it doesn't matter what the pastor does. Right? And like, we just kind of like brush over the pastors like he's not a big deal. And it's not that we're everything, obviously, right? We don't focus on the sites either, but we don't ignore the sites. The pastors are actually modern-day examples of Christ. That Christ was that conduit, right, between people and and God. But then Jesus went to be with the Father. And what He left with His Holy Spirit and His pastors. He's provided us with pastors to be able to help us to see Jesus. Finally, God sees the way God views pastors is that they are accountable to him. See, you see, pastors are pastors because they were called by God. It's, they're not pastors because they're like, dude, what do I want to do in my career? Hmm, so many options. Oh, pastor. Oh, that would be great. I wouldn't make very much money, and I'd have to move all over the country, maybe the world. Who knows? I mean, that, right? I mean, no one chooses the pastorate, right? It's not because, you know, we go, oh, yeah, that would be a great thing to do. Maybe some of us do. Maybe we go, ah, that would be fun. But it's not because of that that we are pastors, even if we have chosen We are pastors because God has called us. We are not pastors because the church has called us. 
It's not because Trinity Alliance said, hey, let's bring that pastor here. It's because God has called me here. Now, you guys were a part of that, right? I was a part of that. My will and your will were a part of that. But it is God who has called pastors. And because God has called them, I am and all pastors are servants of God. We serve Him. We don't serve ourselves, make ourselves feel good or whatever it may be. And we don't serve you. We serve God. We must be obedient to Him and Him alone. 1 Thessalonians 2.4 On the contrary, we speak as though approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. We are not trying to please people, but God who tests our hearts. To be accountable to God, to understand as well, is it's a high standard. It, it's not like we're getting off easy as pastors. It's not like, oh man, don't you wish you could be a pastor and only have to work one day a week. Right? I mean, it, no, it... it, it, it it is a high standard. It's a high calling. It's not an easy thing to do. We are judged more harshly than others. James 3.1 Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. The reality is every word I speak up here or in relationship with you is being judged by God. And if I speak a word that is not true, if I speak a word that, that is heretical, it's beyond what God wants me to say, then I am going to be held in account for that word by God. More so than some of you, simply because I have more words to say and some of you wish I had less words to say. But here's the deal. Because pastors are accountable to God, we don't adjust the sight. See, if you're a gun owner, you can go and sometimes if you're skilled, you know how to adjust your sights on your gun if it's a little bit off. But if you don't, you give it to someone else who knows how to do that and they take care of your gun and make sure the sights are all in line. And, and oftentimes when we have a pastor that maybe we don't like or maybe a pastor that we think, ooh, he's just really gone off the deep end or whatever, then we want to adjust the sights. We think it's our responsibility to step in and have that conversation with the pastor and tell him where he's gone and gone off the rails. pastor is accountable to God. And I know this is hard. Get me, hear me correctly. I'm not saying that the elders of the church don't have a responsibility to keep their pastor accountable as well. Not saying that. But what I'm saying is that so often we look at a pastor and because we don't like where he's aiming, we think that we need to make an adjustment. Either by having a critical conversation with them or by seeking a new pastor. And we need to understand that it is God who has called that pastor into your church. And there's a reason for it. And it's also God who's responsible to call that pastor out of your church. Hard, weird, dynamic thing going on there, I know. And it's really hard for me, as pastor, your pastor, to say those words. But this is what scripture teaches, I believe. All right, worship team, why don't you come forward? Just a couple final thoughts. Just to basically summarize what I think God's perspective of pastors is. First of all, pastors are messengers. So listen to them, and when you listen to them, you will hear God's 
voice. They're messengers of God put here to help to clarify His voice in your heart and in your life. Pastors are shepherds, so receive from them. Allow them to care for you, to love you, to come alongside you in your life. I, I tell you, as a pastor, and I know a lot of pastors, one of the one of the joys of our life is for people to invite us in, to, to let us know a little bit of what's going on in their life so that we can journey with them, both celebrations and struggles. The worst thing for a pastor is to be left out in the cold and not know what's going on with the people in his congregation. So let your pastor in, receive from him. He's a gift to you from God to care for you. And follow God's lead. Pastors are also called. They're accountable to God. So respect them and praise God for His provision. All right. Amen. Thank you for listening to that message. Hard one for me to share, but I hope the Lord and the Holy Spirit has clarified into your hearts and that you can understand it with the Spirit that is given humility and love for you guys and thank you for being such a great church.